0: Thank you for joining. Another special episode of Your Welcome. I hope you all had a great weekend. Coming up on today's show, Rachmanov returns at UFC 285. What does he have to prove? I'll get into that. Plus, I'm going to talk about Islam Makhachev, and I'll also set the record straight on Conor McGregor. Before all of that, let's begin here. All right, so John Jones is not leaving himself room with Usada. He's not giving himself a cushion. He's not making that part of, of his story. He doesn't like that, and he wants it gone. Fair enough. He's come out and says that he would like to fight Steve Miocic, though. Now, if you think it's because of the orthodox stance, if you think it's because of the accomplishments, because you think it's the one guy that def- defended his title more than Fedor Emelianenko, John actually clears it up for us. He said, I would love to fight a man of that stature. And that was a really interesting comment. In fact, in fact, let me paraphrase and get it, get it perfectly right. It would be an honor to fight a man of that stature. That's what he said. And I, I can't think of any, any reason that might be out there, but I just can't think of it off the top of my head. That's a worse reason to fight. I couldn't imagine wanting to damage and hurt somebody because you admired them so much. It sounds weird. Well, it is weird, as a matter of fact. And it feels like a sell job to me. I am very light on the idea that everybody that came together to make this title fight happen came to the agreement that they want us all to think they came to, which is Surreal versus Jones and Stipe takes on the winner. I don't think that that was agreed to. I think it's a really good option, but it's also fair for me to bring up, then why isn't it happening on March 4th? And moreover, why didn't it happen December 10th when Jones said he wanted it and Stipe revealed that he was offered it? Why did it not happen? Someone said no. That's the answer. Someone sat down when you needed them to stand up. And I just bring that to you because I'm not convinced the way that these boys are trying to tell us the story, and they've already got this agreement. It's already worked out. Steve is the number one contender, sitting in the wings, ready to take on the winner. I'm not sure it's accurate. So the good news is there's absolutely no other heavyweight to fight. There is simply no heavyweight that has even spoken or said his name. It just won't do it. Curtis Place just doesn't, he doesn't understand. That would that be the slow road. Stipe exists. He matters. You guys know who he is. is He's a main event guy. And no other heavyweight has even stepped before I mean, you've got the Sergeys and the Sergeys out there. Right, you got these guys that are doing beautiful and you go look at their record and something special. You couldn't invent that guy. You couldn't put him on a poster. You couldn't call the Jim Rome Show and say, can I get this guy as a guest? Jim's going to say, who's that guy? Right, I mean, they, they all have this same and similar problem, which you could fix really fast, really, really fast. If you had the right guy, right, if you're the right image consultant, you could get three interviews done of the right interviews in a three-week period, do the right photo shoots put out the right story to the right outlets, and you could build a guy big enough to go into a main event at heavyweight, but they've had three years, and not only have they not done one of those things. I just they've done none of those things. So there's no reason to believe that it's going to be another heavyweight. But John Jones, much like Stipe, is continuing to tell us the winner. Get Steve a- and John wants us to know that it would be an honor to fight him. Now, I, I don't know what tickets are doing. I mean, I don't know. I-, I know in John Jones's previous fights, you had thousands of people showing up dressed as empty chairs. John Jones has not sold out an arena. You know, and there is actually one exception. Jones versus Guffson. Remember when they switched that and they put it in California? It was on like a day's notice. That actually did sell out. He has not sold out an arena since I don't know when, aside from that one example. So I'd be curious. I'd be really curious. If March 4th is selling out, right, it sure ain't selling out for surreal. I mean, it would be a sign, hey, the supply and demand, and we took John, we brought him back, and we got a new week class and world championships on the line. Like, it it would be a sign that it's very interesting, and I simply don't have that data. I just don't have it. But I do know that John came out, did an interview at the, that, well, it was the night he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. They put him in the Hall of Fame, and he did an interview after that. And he had just gotten a new contract done or at least verbally agreed to. And he couldn't change some of his guarantees. That's where he really wanted. He wanted, he wanted the full safety, couldn't change that. But he did change the percentage and the thresholds for the back end for the pay per views. And he was very happy about it. And he just said, So I'm going to have to do a better job of selling my fights. That's not something I've enjoyed doing in the past, but it's going to be something that I'm get, moving forward. I'm going to need to do. So. Here we are. Here we are. I don't know how the surreal one's doing. I-, I don't need to come out and tease it, though. It could already be sold out. I mean, there, there could be evidence saying, Chael, hold on. New weight class, new era, new opportunities. M- maybe. But now we're trying to work the Bay thing in, and we're thinking that the way to sell it is to say that it would be an honor, an honor to fight a man of that stature. It- it's just a weird statement. Why not just tell the truth? You know, the truth will set you free. I have given so much advice over the year about character building, storytelling, manipulation of emotions. And when I'm done, many people have then compared what I've said and suggested to that of the WWE. And those people fail the course. They absolutely fail. Chail Marketing 101. I have never told you to manufacture anything. I have never suggested that you manufacture anything. I've suggested that if something is a certain way, don't try to fool the audience because we'll know that you're lying every time. And it doesn't matter what the topic is. If we know that you lied, we now have a problem. So look at what John Jones did. He got asked about Stipe Miocic, who he's trying to maneuver for. He said, nobody's named but Stipe. Like, this is the fifth time up and the fifth time at Stipe. There's a level of him that thinks it's Stipe. He's trying to move you in that direction. This was not just satire. This was not an accident. He said it on purpose. And he said it would be an honor to fight a man of that stature. Now imagine he told the truth. Take that line that he did use. And now compare it to the truth. Are you ready? Because the truth would go something like this. That guy is 40 years old. I offered to fight him on December 10th when I had been out for three years. There was never a night better to have a crack at me than when I was out for three years on December 10th and he didn't show up. They then tried to bring him in for this March show. Because he's the no on December 10th, we had to go find a new opponent, which is where Surreal is. And apparently your fireman is going to go find his balls between now and July. And in the time that it's going to take him to find those balls, he's also going to experience another birthday cake with a whole bunch of candles on it. So you can bring me out these old men who used to be good back in there yesterday, and I'll remind him why the last time he did a fight, he got carried out on a stretcher. Or you can give him somebody a little bit more apropos. They can open the card. and I'll let him on the show with me. One of the statements was true and one of them wasn't. But there was no manufacturing of conflict. There was nothing fake there. And John could have said, if you want to pay me money to beat up 40 year olds who got carried out on a stretcher in their last fight, I will happily take your money. Conor McGregor came out last week and he came out to correct the statement. You wanna set the record clear, here's what happened, Danny Rubenstein, I believe had three guys. Danny Rubenstein is a very effective manager, just in case you don't recognize the name Danny Rube, Danny came out on Twitter and stated three names. Three names that were scheduled to be on the Ultimate Fighter that have been sent home and are not going to be on the Ultimate Fighter because three other names of Connor's personal guys came in, knocked these three out of the way. Now, it would lead you to believe that the three names must be guys that are represented by Danny Rubenstein, but that wasn't actually stated for us. So Connor came out and he goes, Whoa, hey, hold on. And this is interesting to me personally because there's stuff said about Connor all day, all day, every day. We do it over here, other people do it. Connor doesn't take the time to correct the record. He doesn't mind at all. He moves right on with his day. He didn't like that one. He did not like that it was being said that three guys had an opportunity taken from them to give like a nepotism type opportunity to Connor's personal three guys. Said I would never do that. And he said, first off, three guys aren't getting a shot because of me. But moreover, I won't do anything to take a shot from three other guys. Now... But you have to understand that he argued both of those because I'm then wondering as a human being which of those two mattered to him the most. He argued that he did not bring three guys in. That three guys didn't get their opportunity because of him. Almost as though they had gone and earned it themselves. I don't understand why that would be bad. If you're a guy in the UFC or anywhere else that has opportunity and you don't give it to your own guys, that's bad in my opinion. But Conor may see that the opposite way or this is the only other thing that he argued, that he didn't do something that would take an opportunity from, from three other Hunger Guys that create, perhaps had created that on their own. I would understand that one. But, but you can't have one, right? You can't have the, one, the, these three of yours without the three of the other, right? There's going to be some positive. There's going to be some casualties. Either way, McGregor wanted to correct this. And I just thought it was powerful. I thought that was very interesting that he took time away to correct a statement that Danny Rubinson had made through an unverified account on a social media platform that an electric car guy took over. I mean, I just found the whole thing to be a little bit interesting. This must really matter to Connor. Well, then you hear Dana's side of it. Dana weighs in and it sure makes it sound like Rubenstein had it right. Dana says, hey, well, first off, who cares? Who cares? If we're trying to get Connor to come over here from Ireland and we're trying to get him to bring his coaches as well. Yeah, there's some stuff that they're going to need to uproot and come to Las Vegas. Well, it sounds like he's confirming it. He then goes on to say, and these three other guys, it's not as though we just forget about them. We know there was an opportunity for them. We know that it was missed. We're going to give it back to them. We're going to take care of those three guys. We don't just send them home and say, see ya. We'll take care of those guys. Now that is true by the UFC. The UFC's max makers, I mean, that just the way that they do things on a daily basis. They would not just dismiss you. They would not say, tough luck to you. Your name would definitely go into a special category. That is all accurate. But it sounds like Dana is saying what Rubenstein said over that what Connor said. And I think that the way that Dana said it is best. So what? Who cares? If I'm trying to get a, guy, a whole coach, a gym, I'm trying to get a gym, the nucleus of a gym to pack up and come in from Ireland, I'm going to have to do things for that gym. They're in the midst of training certain guys. I'm going to have to bring some of those guys. Like that all sounds right to me. And I also personally just liked the idea of Connor looking out for that team. I've always appreciated the loyalty that Connor has to Straight Blast Gym. I don't think Straight Blast Gym is some, some wonderful system. I, I mean, I really don't. I, I think they got a good little policy. It's one of the few gyms out there that are, are kind of franchised. I don't know that that's an overly good thing. I, I know in the, there, there's no amateur wrestlers that are making Olympic teams coming through a franchised system. We have no boxers that are represented in the United States at the Olympic Games that came through a franchised gym. I'm just sharing for you. I don't know that it's a good thing. And he made it work. He stuck it out. He still has Roddy. He still has Kavanaugh. He still puts those guys over. And he's still looking to help that next generation that joined the gym because they looked up to him in the first place. That sounds pretty cool to me. I don't know why he'd want to distance himself from that. And I also understand the other side of if you're going to get a shine, to three of your own, it's got to it's dim a light on three others. And those three others are now starting to have guys speaking up on their behalf. Gilbert Burns came out, said my own teammate. My own teammate was one of those three. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. Everybody pulled their guns at some point, but somebody's gun was a little bit more powerful. I will tell you, if if one of those three guys was my guys that got sent home, you guys either would never hear about it. I would have so much shame if behind the scenes, I played my cards and Connor played his and Connor won. I would have so much shame that you guys would either never hear about it, or I would have made sure that this guy did get taken care of to a factor of four, and then maybe I would have come and told you. But hearing fighters and hearing managers and hearing guys come out that lost to a dude from another country who's making some remake of a show called Roadhouse, and nobody knows if it's a TV show or a movie, who's coming back to a division of a weight class that's yet to be defined, who hasn't won but one fight in six years, and he beat you, that might have happened to me, but by God, you'd have never found out. your subscriptions cost. Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, when the actual total is closer to $200. And if you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that reads and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forget about. Like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show and you completely forgot to cancel after the series was over. I can't tell you guys how many times I've done that over the years. It's the most annoying thing to find monthly payments to a service I haven't used in months, even years. Rocket Money helped me to quickly and easily identify and cancel all of my unused subscriptions in only a few clicks. They did all the legwork for me. No more long hold times or awkward conversations with customer service. Rocket Money made canceling my unused subscriptions so easy. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to RocketMoney.com/chal. That's RocketMoney.com/chal. RocketMoney.com/chal. Volkanovsky, Makolchev, guys, let me give you an update. And I feel like this keeps changing. I feel like each day this keeps changing. I feel as though those guys and a rematch had some real tailwinds coming with it. I felt like a lot of the narrative and things within our industry were supporting that. I know I personally liked the idea, but I personally also knew that that idea was going to have to be liked more than other ideas that are also up for the job. I mean, I asked you guys last week, do you want to see Volkanovsky and Makulchev rematch? That's what I asked you. And I said, okay, but now, now think of that. Think of how badly you want to see that and compare it to, do you want to see Benny DeRouche get a title shot? Compare it to, do you want to see the interim title held by your ear contested against the undisputed title held by Volkanovsky? Because of all of those things, if one becomes true, the other two go away. And I just asked you to ponder that, and I read the comment sections, I hear what you guys say, and it sounded as though you'd pondered it, and you did kind of like the rematch idea, but you weren't strong, I mean, I must tell you, at least within our own comment section, you guys were not bullish and strong, you were not passionate that that must be the one that happens. So then I, as a great predictor of this, once I've taken your temperature, I've got to go take the temperature of the industry. I've got to get a really rough sketch in my mind of what Rodriguez has done. And then I would know to exemplify that by 10, that's what he will be able to do in terms of gaining interest in a fight between himself and Volkanovsky. And I have to remind you, Yair Rodriguez versus Volkanovski was one of the options that you already had, and you chose Islam and Volk instead. So how and why now would you, the audience, choose Rodriguez versus Volk? How and why? Well, that was an interim championship for one. Rodriguez looked amazing and he did it from his back two times consecutively which no odds maker out there thought could be done. 16 to 1 was the odds that he would armbar Brian Ortega in the first round. 16 to 1 according to DraftKings. 9 to 1 that he could finish Josh Emmett by submission in the second round. So no odds maker thought that could be done. Does that bring a special interest to you? Does it now make you think that Volkanovsky could be susceptible in a position that you had not previously considered? Well, not according to Rodriguez. Rodriguez, who did absolutely no media to get himself a fight with Volkanovsky, did even less media once he had a fight with Josh Emmett, has now come out and told the media that if he was to fight Volkanovsky, he would sure have to get a lot better. You then couple that with Volkanovsky saying, I don't even know who this guy is. G- give me Makulchev. I don't even have an interest in this guy. This guy and his belt and his interim champ I have no interest in him. Make him the undisputed champion. I do not care. All right. So we got a- we got a big ball of nothing, right? Yarir won an interim championship at in a co-main event spot. Volkanovsky got to a main event spot by taking him to is- and is happy going to go back to a co-main spot. Volkanovski versus Rodriguez is not a main event. Period. Okay. Oh, deep breath. What do we do with Islam? It would appear that Benny Darouche is a really good answer. The problem is Benny Darouche scheduled to take on Charles Oliveira. So are we going to just wait for all of that Islam goes and does what we're calling record-setting business. He just beats the number one pound-for-pound guy in the world. He beats a number guy who had never lost to anyone else before. And his reward for that is he gets put on the unemployment list. Is that right? If you be champion who doesn't have a number one contender, in fact, a number one contender's match isn't even scheduled to happen for a couple of months. You just made your champion unemployed. Does that sound like what you should do to a guy that just did record-setting business? No, of course it doesn't but you have no other option. And in the back of your head, you're even thinking you can shine Zaev up enough. If he can get the right win over Gaethje, you can find a number one contender. You've got it down to one of two guys and you can find it. It just happens to be in the future or you could do Volkanovski versus Islam now. Those are your options. Those are your options. What are you gonna do? What is the point of Islam and Volkanovsky fighting guys? What would the point of that be? So that you Islam guys go, see, I told you he won. He he already won. Or so that you Volkanovski guys go, I I told you Volt could win. Okay. But now they're one apiece. Do I I put them in a rubber match? What what do I do now? I don't know what I did this for, but what do I do now? I've already dimmed the light on Rodriguez, who's a a co-main event champion. I've already dimmed the light on Benny and Fitzayev. What do I do now? Or I wipe the slate clean. I tell you all, I let you have a little fun. Maybe we revisit this someday. For now, everybody go home. Everybody go home. Everybody go back to your division. Go tend to your own. Bring this conversation up down the line. That's something you still want to do. That is what they're being told right now. That is nothing more... Then a tired parent with some bratty kids are doing just enough, gonna feed them just enough to get them to close their mouths. That's what the entire, go do it my way and down the road we can revisit this means. Yurir, Makhlchev, Volkanovsky, Bratty kids. And the parent just wants them for now? to just go away. Chemayev, we've got a little clarity. Okay, the water is never clear with Chemayev. I I mean, that is a little bit of the charm. One of the reasons Chemayev's always done so well with being a darling of the media, is we never have it perfectly clear, so then we have to speculate, but more importantly, we to do a story, and then we have to do a follow-up story, right? I mean, there, there's a certain grace, and there's a certain game being played in giving information, but not giving all the information. Now, I understand that. I feel I understand that better than most. I'm just not sure, sure that Tremayev is playing that game, I know that he goes into that category. I don't know that if it's strategic and that he's playing. Let me give you an example. We don't know what weight class Chamiyev is. It has been a meaningful period of time since you've seen a Chemayev headline. Well, the number one thing that would get you a headline is signing of a contract. That is the number one thing. If you are a meaningful fighter and you sign to fight another guy, that is guaranteed headlines. In fact, it's a good litmus test you can give yourself, fighters. If you're wondering if the audience cares about you, when you signed a fight last, did it make headlines? And if it did, I'm not teasing you. I'm not teasing you. I'm just sharing for you. If you signed a fight and there was a fight announcement, but it did not make a headline, you're not in the category quite yet of where people are interested in you. Cold hard truth. But we haven't been able to do that with Shemaya because we also don't know what weight class to do it in. There has been something off with Kamara Usman versus Leon. There is something there that doesn't feel like other fights feel. There has not been the same training videos. There has not been the same chatter. There has not been the same commitment back and forth and the ultimate focus on buckling down to the point that the media has picked up on it and we, the audience, can feel it as it pertains to Kamar Usman versus Leon three. And there's a few reasons why. And without going down that road, let's just look at the conclusion. The conclusion would be, is that fight not happening? Okay, that fight is going to happen. Okay, do we have a backup for that fight? Because we, the audience, have not been told there's a backup for that fight. We have been told by many guys within the division that they don't believe that match is going to happen. More guys in the division of 170 pounds right here today have told us that fight is not going to happen than any other fight in history. Gilbert Burns does not, or at least did not, think it was going to happen. Colby Covington either does not or did not believe it was going to happen. Wonderboy Thompson does not or did not believe that it was going to happen. George Masvidal kept himself available because he does not or he did not believe that that fight was going to happen. And Blahal Mohammed has not stopped positioning himself because he believes that fight is not, or was not, going to happen. And above all of that, we, the audience, are told that Chemayev is the backup fighter. Now, that is a straight-up rumor pulled out of thin air. But we were told it nonetheless. And when we're told something, unless we have the burden and the ability to disprove it, sometimes we accept it as so. But Chemayev's camp is now coming out and saying that they are not 170 pounders. Great. If they shut up right there, I now have the clarity that I need. But they didn't shut up. They furthered that thought. So let's redo it again. Chimaev is not hundred and seventy pounder unless it's for a title shot, and you give us plenty of notice. Then we can make the weight. Okay, okay. I didn't need those last three sentences. I didn't need any of those. Unless it's a title shot, can he make the weight or is that his weight class or not? Is that the weight class where he says he can be champion or is it not? Because I got I to gotta start with his opinion. Does he think he needs to be at this weight to be the world champion or not? I have to know that. We then get told again from Chemaev's side that he is lifting and getting strong so that he can go into 185 pounds. I've seen him fight at 185 pounds three times. Was he not big enough and strong enough then? If he wasn't big enough and strong enough then, why did you put him in there? You called out Piera. You called out Audasanya. That was almost a year ago. Was he not big enough and strong enough then? What would have happened if they would have accepted the call out? Was he not big enough and strong enough? Would have he not accepted it? Would have he got in there? But he would have, we would have accepted defeat because he wasn't big enough and strong enough. Is he big enough and strong enough or not? Right now. I don't want to hear about later. I don't care about what you're going to do in the weight room. I don't care about your pull-ups and your picograms and your protein shakes. Is your guy big enough and strong enough for this weight class or not? The weight class where he's called out the champion. The weight class where he called out the contender. Is he big enough and strong enough or not? Right now. Not later. Right now. You tell me. says, well, if Chamayev has left the division, and we're coming on the heels of a statement made by Chamayev's team saying he's trying to get bigger and stronger to officially become a middleweight, however, if for a title fight and enough notice, we could still make 170, that's where we're a little bit confused. We just don't know what in the hell Chamayev's doing. Is Chamayev a middleweight or not? If we knew that, it would sure clear a lot up, but I'm still asked to speak about Rachmanov. Now, Rakmanov, so you guys understand, I don't know if that's his nickname, I don't know if it's his first name, and I don't know if it's his last name. That's his fault. And I know Rakmanov. I am friends with Rakmanov's manager who has heard me say, I don't know if it's his first name, last name, or nickname, and he actually sent me a text letting me know. I just can't remember what the answer was. I can't remember what he said, but he actually let me know. And my message to him that was bigger is, your client is undefeated. He is 15 and 0. He has knocked out eight guys and he has submitted seven. Perfect record. And the manager corrected me and said, Chaley's actually 16 and 0, and he's right down the middle, eight knockouts and eight submissions. So the point is, we have a wildly impressive guy who has not mastered the English language, who is from a different part of the world, who can come in at welterweight and in theory, possibly be the champion today. We have our new Chemaev. fine. So what am I going to say about him other than he sucks at marketing and one of his three names is apparently Rachmanov? What am I going to say? There's an opponent coming up. Okay, great, we're starting somewhere. Who is that opponent? Okay, I didn't get the name, but I got the date. They're gonna be fighting on March 4th. They're gonna be fighting on the same card as John Jones and Surreal gone. So what does it mean for Chemaev to have that kind of exposure? I apologize, Rachmanov, to have that kind of exposure in the heels of having a report that Chemayev is gone. And I was asked to sit down and make a piece about that. And I'm stuck. I don't know what part of that you're going to find interesting. I don't know what part of that I could put in what's called a thumbnail to get your attention to clicker in the first place. I imagine I'm going to have to put Rukmanov in the thumbnail. I just don't know if that's his first name, last name, or his nickname. I also don't know who his opponent is. I also don't know if this match matters to him. I also don't know who his trainer is. I also don't know what gym he's fighting out of. And those are things that I usually have for meaningful fighters. If you were to throw a meaningful fighter at me, and you ask me who trains him, I would know. I could go a little further and tell you who his workout partners are. If you asked me what the name of his gym went, I would know. I could probably even tell you where it was located. I could probably tell you what city or what state it's located in. I don't have any of these things on Rachmaninoff. That doesn't make that bad. That makes it mysterious. And mystery is good. Generally. And it's a really interesting spot because if we have a guy who's 16-0 with all finishes, if we have a guy at welterweight who has never been beaten and has beaten more welterweights than anybody else in welterweight history... Not just currently, it sounds as though we've got a guy that we would move in line for a title shot, but we wouldn't do it if we thought he was a knockoff to another guy who happens to be named Chimaev. And for whatever reason, whether it's fair or not, if we have in our perception that Rachmanov is a ripoff to Chimaev, we're going to have to do things with Chimaev before we do them to Rachmanov, but now we've removed Chimaev. at least possibly. At least possibly, he's now an 85-pounder, so what do we do with Rachmanov? How do I make them interesting to you? How do I make you care that he's fought 16 men and he's finished all 16? I thought that's what mattered. I thought finishing fights is what's important to you. Well, he's done it 16 straight times with no blemishes, and he's getting ready to do it number 17 under an opponent who's yet to be named on March 4th. How do I make that interesting? How do I make you care? What should I put in the thumbnail? What is it Rachmaninoff is not doing that you wishes that he would do? What does a fighter need to do to be on the tip of your tongue? What does a fighter with a fight coming up on a pay-per-view against an opponent who we don't know need to be known? What ingredients are missing? And for the love of God, somebody please tell me. Is Rachmaninoff his first name, his last name, or is that a nickname? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. I need a favor from all of you. If you like the show, go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. It's what keeps the lights on over here at Bad Guy Studios. Thank you very much. And come back for my UFC 285 predictions on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.